Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together, we are sharing ideas that will help families grow stronger, healthier, and we, for, oh my golly, we are having fun this morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Here we go one more time. Go. Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together, we are bringing, sharing ideas that will help grow stronger, healthier families that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And please leave us a like and review on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Rebecca Benito. She is an internationally known sex and relationship coach and an energy healer. Her programs, former podcast, the Ask Me Anything Love and Sex show on Blog Talk Radio, and her YouTube channel have helped thousands of people become more gratified, have have more gratified relationships and sex lives. She is a mom, a grandma, an author, and her mission in life is to transform the world by helping people allow and express their authentic sexuality. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me here. And it's kind of funny because we, this is the first time we've ever actually had to redo our introduction and we were talking about that right before we started. So, <laughs> and so it's just kind of, it just kind of goes that way. Sometimes the thought was put out there and then we just jumped right in on it. You know, it's kind of an exciting topic, right? You know, when you bring up the topic of sex, sexuality, people get mm, like champagne bubbles running through their body. So I like that Im imagery. That's really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It used to be that, you know, in a way because, ooh, it's forbidden. It's kind of hush hush. But now there's a lot of people who are actually kind of afraid to talk about it because of all the weird stuff that's going on and the the changes in the vocabulary that are being thrown out there. So, you know, there's, it's not just the, ooh, the bubbly. Sometimes there's this, ah, uh, wow, I'm not really sure we want to go there. So, but we are a family show and we know it's super important that to help our families, we have these discussions, right? We know that we need to talk to our kids about it at certain times of their life. And one of the things we wanted to focus on today was to make sure we talk about parents because when they're raising those kids, guess what? Sometimes this topic gets a little pushed off to the side. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted Rebecca to come and share with us today a little bit more about what do we do when we're so tired as a mom and a dad raising kids? What do we do to keep our life spicy and exciting so that we can come and be the best we can be in our families? So yes, we are going to have fun with this topic today. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I so agree. You know, I always say happy parents, happy kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a shame, but really what most people have been taught is judgment. Like if I judge myself, figure out what I'm doing wrong and then try to get it better. And of course, we judge our parenting all the time. And we have all these images of what it means to be a good mom, to be a good dad, then to be a good partner and all of those things. And, you know, I like the saying of the good enough mother right? That that's what you have to strive for. But if you're always putting your kids first, and then your relationship with your partner starts to suffer, that is going to impact your children. Um, you might think that they don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but they're very psychic little beings. And they, they do, they can pick up on 
any of that angst or unhappiness, unfulfillment. So the best gift you can give them is to be the best version and happiest version of yourself. So this is actually kind of an interesting, weird kind of sensitive topic. How did you get involved in it in the first place and to the point where you actually have a podcast where Ask Me Anything About Love and Sex? Yeah, well, thanks for asking me that, Herb. So, I mean, I think from the family stories, I was always a little bit promiscuous and curious in this area. Like I was five years old and they caught me peeping at my father's Playboy magazines. Um, and and then something happened to me as a child. I'm not going to go into that, but um, that made me feel vulnerable. That made me feel unsafe in my body. It was an image. It was an it was um an introduction to sexuality before I had the mental and emotional tools to handle it. I was eight. And what I chose in that moment was to kind of leave my body. And I, and I spent the next 20 years of my life thinking that my job was to be maybe even more than that, to be sexually available for other people mm -hmm. while not really being present myself during the act. Like, yeah. And when I got to be in my early 30s, I was married at this point. I had a beautiful little girl at home. I had a handsome husband. And yet I was lying there going like, are you done yet? And I, I realized that I was too young to have no sex life, to be that dissatisfied and disconnected from him. So that started my personal journey. And I went to classes and I got coaches and I did my research. And now I want to take people on the journey that I went on and hopefully do it for them much faster. Yeah, that's, that's good because, yeah, I mean, so many of us don't know how to deal with whenever something happened when we were younger. And so the fact that you went through research, you went through coaches, you went through different things to help make sure that you were brought back to a place of okayness. And that's what I'm hearing is that you're, you know, doing much better now with all of that and then being able to help others. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm way better than okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, I have a context now. I recognize that actually I'm, I am a healer mm -hmm. and, um, in fact, I was pregnant with my first child when I literally could look at people and I would hear inside my head, like, um, like one woman, I'll tell you the most striking one was that I looked at her and I, I heard she's going to have a, a scare. She's going to find a lump in her breast, but it's not cancer. It's an, it's a kind of message from the universe for her to stop being there for her son and her husband all the time and put more attention back on herself and pamper and love herself. And I just kind of got that in my head. I never said anything to her. About a week later, we were at work and she asked to talk to me and she said, I just found a lump in my breast. I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was able to tell her that I had like psychically received this information for her and it turned out to be true. Yeah. So that was kind of my entree into this world of recognizing that I had a capacity with healing. Um, and over the years, I went to a four year school for that. And I, I helped people get with infertility. I helped people with bad backs and bipolar and cancer and hearing loss and all kinds of things like that. What I didn't recognize at first is that I'm also a sexual healer and that 
that is an area where I do not have a lot of judgment. So I'm able to really be a listening space, mm -hmm. which is often just what people need. Like who grew up with someone able to just listen to them, tell them things, point out what things were. No, we, we learned from maybe a, a mumbled conversation with our parents, our friends on the schoolyard, porn, right. horrible examples, right? So um, that's what I, that is the context now. Whatever happened to me when I was a kid, I was actually not the victim. I was the power. I was, maybe I was the last person he did that to. I healed him in some way. And by healing myself and coming back into the pleasure of my body, I have a gift now that I can share with people. So I'm not wounded. I'm grateful. Awesome. That is an awesome attitude. I mean, yeah. And that's what we really want to help our families understand is that, you know, we don't want to be in the victim state. We want to be in the empowered state, the resilient state, the bounce back, the moving forward and growing our families and being the best that we can be. That's I, yeah. I mean, don't you think that one of the greatest kids skills we can give our kids is to be resilient? Yes. I, you know, I have two kids and, and I wanted to keep them safe and protected from everything. And my teacher told me, she said, you, you can't, there's no such thing as a life with no pain. Correct. It's what you do with that, how you use it that matters. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we talk about with our families and our kids is that, you know, they need that struggle. They don't need the big, horrific, horrible struggles, but they need those little struggles each day, each week, so they can use their strength and use their powers and figure a way out of it. Their creative problem solving, their bounce backness, their resilience, right? All of those things that really help our kids grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, how did you have a conversation? How does this conversation occur in your family and parenting? I've always been the shy one about these kinds of things and very shy, very conservative, very quiet. My family didn't talk about these things, right? I mean, I, I literally had to have those mumbled conversations. So I left it all to the big guy here. He, and we had two boys, so it actually worked out okay. He was the one that had to have most of the conversations with the boys. I, I uh -huh. also had to have a lot of these conversations with, with Christina as well. Um <laughs> Because even even if there's not necessarily trauma there, I'm not saying there was or wasn't, but even if there's not, um, the way she was raised is it was hush hush. It was mumble mumble. It was that's dirty. That's disgusting. You don't want to go there. We can't talk about it. And so for quite a lot of years in our marriage, there were that, that was probably one of the biggest problems we actually had. And it, it took it took a lot, a lot of years of me being patient and gentle and finding different ways to explain things because, you know, there was that it's dirty. It's not right. We mm -hmm. Well, it was for one purpose. <laughs> mm, right. Making babies. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you're, did, you're describing very that. common. Yeah, we did get through that. And, and it's it's. We have a much stronger relationship there now than than we ever have. So after 32 years of marriage, it just keeps getting better and better. Aww. But it, it wasn't always that way. And so, you know, patience and and respect and understanding mm -hmm. are incredibly important. Yeah, beautiful. Lucky.
I, I, I do find that sometimes people that um, grew up sort of shy and restricted and with some bad messages will pick a partner who's more adventurous in this area because they they know that that person has the capacity to bring out this side of them. You know, if you've got two people that both grew up with some negative messaging about that, it's it can be a little harder. And then somebody's going to have to be willing to go first. And that's why it's sometimes good to invite somebody else in to give you those perspectives that you don't really have and a safe space mm -hmm. to awesome. have the conversations and the listening for each other. So, so real quick, I would like to point out that inviting somebody in as a coach, not as <laughs> so just just when I heard that, it's like, no, we, we not, don't not invite people in. That's not that's not no, no, no. Um, so when I heard that, just just in case I wanted to make that clear, getting outside help, getting counseling, getting coaching, yes. somebody. Yeah, there. absolutely. And it's not for you. And that's totally cool. And for some people that works really well. You know, I'm also really invite people to create a relationship that works for them. You know, for example, I know one really successful couple that have separate bedrooms because mm -hmm. he snores really loud and they and it was disrupting their sleep. And rather than hold themselves to the definition from outside of what is a good marriage looks like, they were they gave themselves permission to make a solution that works for them. And now, you know, it's romantic. They go, they have their bedrooms, they look across your place or mine. You know, and they're also more deliberate about the intimate and romantic time that they spend together. It's not by default. Um, so, yeah, you know, something might not be for you, but can you suspend your judgment and just be curious? Like your partner might come to you with a desire. A partner might come to you and say, you know, I realize that this arouses me. If you immediately go to, ooh, that's gross, you're a pervert. The conversation stops right there and you actually ask them, you're asking them to kill off a part of who they are mm -hmm. for you, which can only down the line lead to resentment, right? But if you're like, really, I'm not sure that interests me, but tell me more about it. What is it about it that you like? You know, and maybe in your couple, the conversation can be enough. They don't ever have to, like saying it's not doesn't turn me on at all to think about another person in our relationship but versus, well, I'd like to entertain it in my head. I wouldn't ever want to do it for real. So yeah. it can be something that you just swap fantasy about yeah. and you use it in that way to fuel your relationship to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To create it, more connection. And it goes back to that respect and discussion and, you know, the love between the partners and, you know, really knowing where the boundaries are as a couple, as a group, if you're in a dedicated relationship. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, being willing to um, just notice, excuse me, um, what thoughts you're thinking or what you've been taught, like what are you bringing as your baggage? Right, yeah. Exactly. And being willing to recognize it and just evaluate, well, I was taught this. Is it true? Mm -hmm. Is it true for me? Does it serve me anymore? Like, yes, as young girls, we're taught, keep men at bay. Now suddenly we're married and it's like, be available. 
be fun, keep him interested, greet him at the door wearing nothing but saran wrap and holding a martini. (laughs) Boy, I think he liked that one. (laughs) Um, You know, it's that, it's that switch. (laughs) You guys are a little bit younger than me, but there was like an article in Cosmo magazine back in the day that recommended that as a way to keep your marriage sassy. Yes. I think I think we would surprise you. <laughs> we're, actually, and... we're actually a lot older than we look. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so let's bring this around to our families a little bit, because this is awesome that we're talking about, you know, the respect and the open communication and getting help when you need help. But let's talk about those worn out, tired parents. What can they do? What might be some ways to maybe help keep things spicy for them even when they're so tired that's a right when kids start going back to school that's when that's when stuff gets really crazy so Mm -hmm. you know there's so much extra work to so school age kids young schools first going to going to school that's when parents would really need some extra help so yeah so where do we go from there yeah yeah absolutely well i mean just recognizing that your life is different when you have kids at home and you're right school age kids this time of year going back so first of all making your intimate time together a priority it's not the thing you leave to last to write you know at night when you're exhausted um what can you do to carve out that time for yourself um can you get into some carpooling so that you're not always the one that drives the kids to baseball practice and you, you know, the other partner comes home early, maybe from work, and you you have a little afternoon delight. Mm-hmm. Um, can you have a little lunchtime meetup, even at a hotel somewhere? That always hotel sex is always fun, right? You know, it's different. You you're not home seeing the pile of laundry in the corner. Um, oh. You're you get so do things to get outside of your space. Um, be willing to ask for help and recognize that. Other people really do want to help you and you can also help them because the day you take their kids, now they have time. So now you're creating a community that is stronger as well. Um, Other couples, you know, making that kind of time. If you can afford babysitting, great. If you can't, is is there a babysitting co-op where you are? Right. Wow, hiring a babysitter so we can go off and play that that just never occurred to us no as we were raising our boys it's like no babysitters were only for you know when we had to go do something else kind of thing so yeah right right it's because we make a priority those things we feel we have to do or have to attend versus keeping ourselves strong as a couple having that quality time that alone time that adult time we deserve it. And and that's a piece too. Do we deserve it? And looking at, do we deserve this time? And, and why is it important? Well, there's lots of physical benefits that you get from sex. Um, and including it nourishes your brain. A lot of people don't know this. It lights up different areas of your brain can actually keep your memory longer. Um, it is more nourishing for your brain than chess or crosswords. Um, it releases endorphins that calm you that nurture you it releases the bonding hormone so when you're intimate with your partner right you're creating more 
connection so that when stuff does come down the pike that's difficult or challenging or that you might normally argue over, you don't because the world looks so much rosier. Those things are just kind of don't bother you as much. And now, you know, you're creating this feeling of togetherness. Sometimes when something difficult comes, a couple can have different strategies. Mm -hmm. This happens in sex too, right? So look at what you might want. Like one partner wants sex more frequently and one partner wants more sort of intimate non-sexual time. Yeah. Oh, you two are so cute. So those are not, those are actually strategies mm-hmm. and that there, what is the goal? The goal that each of you probably have is to feel more connected to each other mm-hmm. and you just have a different strategy. So now you can spend some time talking about what you both, what would be a win for both of you, where both of you would get your needs met, where both of you feel good about what you're going to do. Yeah. So from from my point of view, um, when I, when it was time to hang out with my friends, I would always, it, it was, it was asking her, but it wasn't necessarily asking her. It was asking her it like, Hey, do you have anything that I need to take care of? Or cause I, I'm planning on doing this. And my, my friends would always say, Oh, you're always asking your wife permission. I was like, no, I'm, I'm out of respect doing this because she lets me play with her boobies. <laughs> it's a family show. I'm that's we're talking about sex. That's about as PC as we get. And so it's like I'm sure and I'm sure we've got plenty of nursing yeah. mothers on there. Boobies, you know, I I nursed my kids for quite a long time, but when my daughter stood in the middle of the supermarket and said, "Mom, it's booby time." I said, "I think your time it's time to wean." You know, when they can literally ask you with words and undo your blouse in public, it's time to start thinking about weaning. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's beautiful. That's respect. And I also love that, you know, you you allow for time. It, it can also get challenging when we have small kids at home and all the time becomes about the family. And yet being with our friends separately also nourishes us and gives us something different to bring back to the relationship. Something else to talk about, if you're always together and all your conversations are about the kids, yeah. it's nice for one of you to go out and go, oh, look at, this is what happened when I was out with the girls and this is what's happening, you know, or we, I went to a concert, I went to a ball game. It also um, can add some some fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it was one of the things that we we made sure happened even when we were in our early marriage is like, you know, he had his guy time and I had my girl time just because we knew that even though we love being together and we love being a family, we did need breaks every once in a while. And people need to be away from people, you know, uh, yeah, is we, it? absence we, make the heart grow fonder, right? We met in college. And so we were together 22 to tw- t- usually 22 to 24 hours a day. You know, the, the only time we were apart was, was during classes. She would come to my sports things. I would go to her stuff and, and seriously classes or work time was the only time we were apart mm-hmm. and even, even into, so that's probably like six years of our marriage. It's mm-hmm. like we were yeah. together all day long, every day. And I still, you know, I love that. I wish and we're actually kind of back there now because we're starting our own business and entrepreneur so, journey, right? You get to make your yeah, own. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. I, I, 
I can spend all day every day with her and it just keeps getting better. And, well, that's uh, lovely. Um, we, when we did first have kids, mm -hmm. I got really jealous of my kids because they had more access than I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember well when my kids were very small, like my touch needs were met. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I wasn't nursing, I didn't really, I just wanted to be in my own little space. You know, those first couple of years, if anyone's listening that has really small kids, it's, it took me two years to get my personality back. I yeah. feel like after each of my births. And if you can remember that nothing lasts forever. And so I know sometimes for the man, it feels like she's gone. She's never coming back. What happened to the sexy wife I had? It was always up for everything. And now, you know, she's this other person, um, but she's got bigger boobs, which is fun. But um, I don't get to play like, with them as much because they're for the kids. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, to just recognize that there is an ebb and a flow, but not to another um thing I see that's an obstacle to great intimacy is wishing that now was like it used to be. Mm -hmm. Like you need to kind of let go of how it used to be and be in the present and take what's available. And then it can change again. You know, it's going to change again. That's inevitable. And, and I think women recognize that more because of our biology is constantly changing and flowing. Um, so to recognize and to just, you know, there are other things that you can do to keep things spicy. If you don't have time or energy or even desire for the physical notes, love notes, love texts, thinking yeah. of you, you know, when it's sexy time, I would really like to do this, plan it, enjoy the planning of it. If you know, you can't really get time together until Saturday, have a little ramp up every day until Saturday. What are you going to wear? Wouldn't you like to know? I'll tell you this. Is it the red or the blue? You know, and just bring the flirtation back. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes when we, um, there's a great book, um, Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. Okay. And she talks about how the the things that draw a couple together and keep and, and bond them to get together are not the same skills that you live from once you are together. Mm. Part of what makes the rest the the early courtship spicy is that unknown. And once you're with a partner, you don't really have unknown anymore. So how can you reintroduce that a little bit? And that's where the flirting right. comes in. Yeah, unless you keep learning and developing, and then you have a little bit of unknown. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've been together since 1989, and I still find amazing things about her all of the time. But I continue to look for it that because that's that was my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you keep looking for ways to love your wife, you will keep finding new ways to love your wife. And again, that that's a responsibility. But, you know, the, I also had this understanding that at some point my kids were going to be out of the house and then I would have her back to myself. And <laughs> if I blew it early, then that time, because that's that's well, 18 yeah. years per kid. So if you 18 Ish. to 25, depending on how many, maybe 30, depending on how many kids <laughs> you have. But then then you got like another 30, 40 years 
where probably you yeah. have that person mm -hmm. without without the kids without the distraction yeah. and so if you set it up right for those times then then the end the end game is incredible yeah i mean you two are a lovely couple i hope you're teaching that to men herb like this idea of you're always curious and always looking and you don't assume you know everything about her there's so much more to find and to keep discovering and keep you interested i love that I, I am getting into men's work and men's coaching, but again, it's it's kind of slow because uh, mm -hmm. I, I have brain damage. My my business acumen kind of messed up. So while I can talk this way, the the getting the the interest in the people together is is a little more difficult for me. So we're working. Mm -hmm. And also, men men are are kind of solitary creatures because we've we've kind of been bred that way for the last 40, 50 years. And so it's really mm -hmm. difficult for men to talk and share and open up. But it is so incredibly valuable because the, the couple of men that I have been able to have these conversations with, just the, the way their life opens up for them, it's it's really incredible. So I, I completely agree. We, more, yeah. more men need to be having these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of safe spaces where men can connect to those other parts of themselves and and learn from other men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the greatest things that we were just talking about is to make sure that people, family, couples who are listening is that there's seasons throughout the child rearing, right? For a while, the kids are so needy in the first couple of years, right? And then they become more independent. So things kind of change and you can do things a little bit different. And then they become even more independent and things change again and you do things a little bit different. So make sure you're looking forward to that. What is the change that's coming? How can you take advantage of and, you know, make a positive change in your relationship as your kids are growing as well. So as our families are looking at all of this, you know, the spicy talk, the not so spicy talk, the the things that really make families grow and develop is that look for those changes, look at how things are going now, plan for the future, really make sure you're taking things into consideration. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much we actually talk to the kids, but we modeled really good behavior. So, yes. so I was always very flirtatious with my wife. I was always grabbing her butt and kissing her in front of the kids. I would always try and just embarrass them just a little bit with how affectionate we were just to let them know that, hey, this is okay. This is normal for, for husband and wife. So what are some things, because this is for also about kids, what are some ways that parents can can age appropriate start, start informing their kids? Because, you know, I, I used to embarrass the heck out of my kids and I thought it was funny, but at the same time, it was it was pretty appropriate. Yeah. Because I, I, did, I didn't go crazy but but how do you go about that yeah um i mean it's it's it is beautiful that you modeled for them like they do need to see appropriate um affection and they'll go ew gross but um because they don't really want to think about that you in that role at that part of their life of their life um but eventually they will look back and be like, oh, I had good models. So the, you know, the, the, with kids, you want to kind of take your lead from them. How much information are they ready for? What do they want to know? Um, I believe that you should tell children the appropriate names for all their body parts right from the beginning um, and create a sense of body positivity. You know, a, a lot of what we do is, you know, don't touch that or, you know, 
don't, um, that's your wee wee, your, you know, we make funny names for it. Um, you know, and just, you can teach them the names for everything. All of your body is beautiful. And there are parts that are for you and that you will share with people when you're much, much, much older, when you're a grown up. Um, boys have these girls have these and, you know, kids are very innately sensual. They are. And, um, they do need to be protected in that they will flirt, you know, they will rub themselves against people. They want to be held and cuddled. Um, and that touch is okay. You know, there's lots of other people who, who have lessons for you on teaching kids about good touch and bad touch. Um, and there's a woman might be Dr. Sue who has a whole book on sort of age appropriate conversations with your kids that I would recommend because I work more with, I work with the grownups who didn't get it right the first time. Right. Um, So, but if we can lay a foundation for the fact that your body is beautiful, whatever shape it is, your naked body is beautiful. And in this culture, we do keep that for ourselves. But I also know nudist families, you know, there are safe spaces where people go as a family and go camping and everybody's naked. Um, Usually around their teen years, kids get that self-consciousness. And that's when they really start to judge themselves and they compare themselves. And they're always comparing themselves against other people who have developed faster or, um, you know, so as much as we can reassure kids that all body types are beautiful, that at all different times in history or in different parts of the world, different body types, you know, There was a time where no boobies was fashionable, big boobies are fashionable, and that, you know, being them is the greatest thing that they have to offer anybody, Um, that they will find somebody who likes them just the way they are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that when you are old enough to understand the emotional repercussions of sexuality, Mm -hmm. that's when you can do things about it. And in the meantime, you know, this is something that people do when they're in love. It's the thing that makes babies. Yeah. And to understand that every person you're with is going to somehow impact you. Yeah. Yeah. So as conservative parents, that whole bonding impactful thing, mm-hmm. we we stress to our children that you should save that for one person because each time you bond with somebody, that bond becomes less and less. So, mm-hmm. the, so. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can wait and find that person and bond with one person, then that bond stays so much, much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. The values of your family, your upbringing, your religion that you want to give your kids is what's important. Yeah. But yeah. I really also liked how we were also talking about modeling them that, you know, it, it's okay to kiss in front of the kids. It's okay to hug. It's okay to, you know, be a little bit playful because yeah, you are their model, but also the respect part. So like Herb has always been very, very respectful as far as like opening doors and making sure he gets me things if I, if I need some help with things. And that was really important to teach the boys because it's like, you know, how, how maybe, you know, do you want your wife to react to you when you get married? And how should you maybe be treating people, just kindness in general, but 
whenever you want that special relationship, you want to do extra special little things to help them know that you love them and care for them. Yeah, and so the to... same way with the girls is like, what are they looking for? Do they want someone who is respectful to them that helps them when they need it? So those kinds of modeling is super, super important. Yeah, we would yeah. go up and waitress, waitresses would be like, wow, you, you are the most pleasiest and thank youest family we've ever met. We, we went on a cruise and took the family and my sons went around opening the doors for people. They just went around the ship opening doors for people whenever. Having fun. And so, yeah, I, I tried very hard to make her forget how to open doors. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, you know, a culture of kindness. Mm -hmm. And um, you brought something up that I think raising sons in today's world is so important. Raising respectful men. You know, my daughter actually got in trouble in, in high school because she was wearing a tank top mm -hmm. and they took her to the office and they said, you need to put on your jacket. And she said, why? And they said, because you're distracting the boys. And she actually said to them, instead of telling me what I should or shouldn't wear, why don't you teach the boys not to be distracted? And I think that that is not you know, being reinforced. We're being we're telling girls that they cannot wear what they want to wear because they're a distraction to the boy, that they're, you know, inviting something. We need to teach boys how to give women the space to do wear what they want. It's not for their entertainment and it's not an invitation to any kind of behavior or objectifying, right? That if we can teach boys to see women as human beings full not just that thing that gets them excited and if we can teach girls to feel empowered and know that they have the power of no and that it isn't important to be liked or chosen it's important to know who they are and what they want from life and is this person going to be kind and nurturing and care for them and respect them yeah like instilling those values i think will create more balance we've gotten somewhat askew somehow yeah exactly but you know part of it um also is that you know whenever you choose your clothing are you being respectful of you too because like we were talking about our body is something that we you know kind of are in charge of and are protective of or choose when to share so again depending on what you wear it's like how much are you sharing when do you want to share that kind of thing so those kinds of conversations as well about mm -hmm. you know yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you look at someone like Dolly Parton and, yeah. and quite famously, Barbara Walters asked her, why do you dress like that? And she said that it made her feel empowered. Yeah. She was actually copying the woman in her town that was the most sovereign and oh. she dressed like that. And so Dolly Parton dresses like that and created that body, not so that other people would look at her and think she was, you know, so sexy, but because of how it made her feel about herself. So, yep, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to that culture of kindness and respect. It's like, what do we want our kids to know? Kindness and respect. And we treat everybody with kindness, mm -hmm. and, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And to wait until you have the emotional wherewithal to deal with the energy that will create it and the, and the emotional repercussions of your actions. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Mm hmm. Awesome. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you kind of were hoping maybe to touch on as we had our discussion today? Mm -hmm. 
Um, no, I mean, I think this was a really broad range and comprehensive yeah. conversation. I would like to invite your listeners, if awesome. anything that we've said has intrigued them, um, I would like to offer you a free gratified sex life discovery call where we can just talk for 15 or 20 minutes and you can have a listening ear um, of what your goals are, what your obstacles are. And I'll give you some maybe resources and strategies, including working with me, but not only um, for how you might get your goals for having more satisfaction, a better relationship to yourself or to your partner. I work with men, women, and couples both together. So um, and, and yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And that was actually going to be my next question. Make sure you give, um, list out your website or how you want them to contact you. And of course, everything is going to be in our show notes, how to get a hold of you for that discovery call and stuff, but say it out loud. What's the best way to contact you so they can hear it too. And well, so I have two, I have two websites. One is pleasureevolution.com, which deals primarily with the sex coaching. And then I have rebeccabenito.com, which is more about the energy healing, which can be done long distance or in person. Um, and then I'm all the places, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, awesome. YouTube. There's a lot of resources on my YouTube channel as well. Pleasure Evolution TV. Nice. And so if you are frustrated, if you do, if you don't have anybody to talk to, if there isn't anybody in your life that you can have these conversations with, then this is a fabulous resource because being able to hold space in a non-judgmental way mm -hmm. and just listen, just being able to get out what you want can, can make such a difference in your life, just being able to say what you need to say. So absolutely. If, if this is something that, that, that sounds like you need, if, if it's like, oh, I would love to, but I can't give it a shot, give it a try. Yeah. This, it is amazing how far you can get just by having somebody listen to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And don't underestimate the, the cost to your relationship. I mean, with a 50 percent divorce rate and how many of those are because you cannot find a meeting place sexually and you may think that it's not possible but it really is to find the meeting ground to create that level of connection that you may not have had before and to address it before it becomes so problematic that one of you thinks you have to leave or cheat or something equally detrimental um it's worth, it's not superficial or shallow to be willing to make this important and invest in it. Yeah, exactly. And for all of our families, remember that intimacy relationship is part of the family. It's what we need to make sure that we are working towards and being consistent with and you know, respectful too, but then also showing our family, our kids, what that looks like so we can have a better world where people do love and care and hopefully stay together. Because unfortunately, we know all those statistics that families who stay together tend to be a little more successful, a little bit happier. So, you know, there's always the the offs, the, oh, the oopses, but, you know, people who stay together really do tend to have a kind of a, a better chance at things. So help our families, help you make sure you're building those relationships. Rebecca, it has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for your guidance, your help, and let's keep growing our families into healthy, healthy, happy, and successful kids and families. Yay. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you reach out to Rebecca. Make sure you reach out to Herb and I. We're always here. 
Well, thank you so much for having me and for your work in the world. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for agreeing to be here today. All right. Bye for now, everybody.